Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. But I also know the Bible talks very strongly about one another. I think the Bible makes it very clear we just aren't designed or equipped or created to do life uh, on our own and to really experience the full manifestation of the Spirit of God. I think we have to have each other and in each other's lives. Well, this week, I was reading a passage of Scripture. It's actually found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll look at it in a minute. But have you ever read the Bible, and, and you've read a passage of Scripture over and over and over and over time, but all of a sudden, it hits you differently? Like today, or this past week, I'm reading this um, passage of Scripture, and there was a verse I swear had never been there before. I feel like it was added this week as I was going through it. And uh, the Apostle Paul was making a reference to Moses. And uh, if you remember, uh, for those who may remember the story, found in Exodus chapter 34, Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's up there for 40 days, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. And he comes down from the, the mountain, and it says that Aaron and, and some of the other Jewish people, uh, Israelites, I mean, and they turned their face and they were leaving Moses because it was so radiant. His face was so radiant. And so we find that he puts a veil over his face. And so I went back and I reread the story because I thought, oh, that's right, Moses put a veil on his face so the people couldn't see how radiant his face was. I assume that he spoke to the people with, the, with this veil over him. But when I reread the story, I realized he took the veil off and he spoke to the people and he put the veil back on. And so as I was thinking about that story, I've come across this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. This is what it says. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. I, I felt like I never saw that verse before. Let me read that one more time. We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. And, and as I looked at that, I thought, that's very interesting eh, that he put a veil so people couldn't see really what was really happening. Something was changing. And it was almost uh, like a filter. So people couldn't quite grab uh, what was happening. And as I was reading through that, I, I, I couldn't help but think in this very social, uh, media-driven world, we have a tendency to filter. We love to filter our photos. We edit our little post to say exactly what we want to say and what we don't want to say. I think this video kind of shows what I'm talking about.
I did that this past week, actually. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I mean, it's fall. We had a beautiful weekend. And um, when I moved here, the house that I had happened to have a pool in the backyard. I wasn't looking for a pool. But it was actually quite cool, the water. But not, nonetheless, I got in it, and I pretend that I was so warm, and I wanted to make sure all my East Coast friends saw how warm it was in Sarnia. And that was not really even kind of true, actually. It's kind of cool here. But the more that we become filtered, the harder it is to be authentic and real with one another. Now, we know there's so many benefits. We get it. I get it about technology, and, and we certainly embrace it uh, as a church. We love using technology. In fact, we're using it right now. We have people joining us um, live on service through technology that, you know, that, that can't be here. And we understand that some people uh, will check out our website, the technology, and just you know, check out a service maybe to find out uh, uh, who we are and, and, and why is Jesus so phenomenal? Like, why are they so captivated by Jesus? So um, we understand technology is it's a wonderful thing. And, and some of you certainly have received messages through technology, right? I mean, what, what's it like to get up in the morning and, and open up your phone and someone says, hey, God brought you to mind today. I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Have a great day. I mean, of course, that's so encouraging. Um, and it can minister to people, encourage people. But we also know, we also know that people are great at creating online personalities. Now, look who I am, which lots of times can be very different than who we actually are. We sometimes like to show the fake us. And sometimes it's because people feel very uncomfortable about being in conversations that they cannot control. You know, I don't know where the conversation will go if it's an up close and personal. I, I don't know how I'm, I'll handle it. And so what happens, you know, people use filters on their phones, right? They thicken their hair, they, they slimline their waist to, um, to present something that's not always so authentic. And the more, the more filters our lives are, the more difficult it is to be real and to be authentic with one another. I don't think it's anything new, by the way. I, I think it's something that every generation has struggled with, you know, trying to present maybe something that we're not always. Maybe it's just more obvious in the day and age that we live here. And so we love technology, but I think some of us, and myself included, need to learn how to manage it all. Last week, we, we read that verse, if you remember, in John chapter 13, uh, verse 35, I think it is, where it says, um, Jesus is speaking, right? You'll know that you're one of my disciples, by the way, you love each other. Well, if you read the beginning of the chapter, it kind of give you a little bit of context of what's happening. Jesus, at the beginning of that chapter, is actually, he, he's taken his outer cloak off, and he's put a, a towel and wrapped it around his waist, and it says that he washed all the disciples' feet, and he dried all the disciples' feet. He washed the feet, can you imagine this? He, he washed the feet of Judas that night and dried up. I mean, this man is mere minutes away from going to betray him. And there is Jesus, okay, washing the feet of all of his disciples, drying them off, and then he puts his cloak back on. And then he says those words that we read last week. I want to reread them. John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this all men will know. You are my disciples 
if you love one another. Notice what it does not say. They will know that you are a disciple of mine by the way that you baptize. They will know that you are a disciple of mine by the way you interpret the prophecies of the book of Revelation. Uh, it doesn't say, hey, they'll know you're my disciples because the way you enter into the church building with quiet and reverence. It doesn't say they'll know you um, are one of my disciples because you signed up for another Bible study. No. It doesn't say they'll know you're my disciples because you never miss church. It never says that. And though those are important. It never says, hey, uh, they'll know you're my disciples by your perfect theology. Hey, good theology is obviously very important. But that's not how people tell that you're a follower of Jesus. You can be the best businessman, the best nurse, the best teacher, the best office manager, the best singer, the best preacher around. That's all great, but compared to loving people, that's where it's at, Jesus is saying. The way we treat people speaks volumes of who we are. I remember being asked this question about 15 years ago. The question is, Donald, when you walk into a room, do you add value to people's lives? Or do you take away? I remember thinking, well, I certainly want to be a person who, who adds value to someone's life. I, I'm not there to drain people. And, and I've never forgotten that. I, I want to be the kind of person who riches people's lives. And Jesus says, I give you one, one new commandment. There was ten before, and somehow... Um, the spiritual elite had turned those ten into hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules and, and regulations. But Jesus comes along and offers this, this new vibrant way of living. Get out there and love people. It's also a great way to share the gospel. It's a great way, actually, to preach. Preaching to people by our actions, and of course, if, we, if it's necessary, we'll use words. But our actions say far more than what our words will. Let's be a, let our life be a living sermon. I mean, it's easy to sit back and, and, and be super spiritual and, and put those bumper stickers on our car. You know, honk if you love Jesus. And then, of course, cut somebody off. It's the way we love people. It's not, how, not about singing or devotions or bumper stickers or Bible studies. Those are, those are great things. But Jesus says, no, there's a brand new way of a vibrant life. And it involves loving one another. Romans 5.5 5 says, God has poured out his love into your hearts. We have this love in us. God has poured his love in us. We're filled with the love of God. Now, maybe people have told you you're filled with something. That's not the love of God. But if you're a follower of Jesus, we're filled with the love of God. Now, if I were to ask you today, so you know, how many, um, how many friends do you have? You may say to me, well, what kind of friend do you mean? You know, what we called a friend maybe 20 years ago is so different than what we call a friend today. 20 years ago, we would have said, a friend is someone man, that I do life with, someone that's involved in my life. He's an encourager. We walk together. The, the highs and the lows, the good and the bad, that's a friend. 
But the friend, I, I, I heard this the other day, that the term friend is evolving. With technology, the, the, the term is so different than it once meant. Meant. I mean, friends that you have never met, people that you have never met are your friends on Facebook, right? Friend. And yet you've never met them, never spoke a word to them. But you've got 879 friends. Lots of online interaction, but very little face-to-face -face conversations. I heard a preacher say the other day, and and he made this statement, I totally agree with it. We're becoming addicted to immediate affirmation. You know, I feel lonely, so what do I do? I, I get a picture and I, and I post it and I wait for who's going to like it, who's going to comment on it, and who's not going to comment on it. <laughs> what is happening, we, we want this short-term need to be met, but we're deferring that long-term that we need close and intimate relationships with people. When I say intimate relationships, obviously I'm not talking about sexual relationships. I'm talking about real, authentic relationships. Psychologists actually call it, using the term, deferred loneliness. That's what people are doing today. We're looking for likes, but longing for love. And that is changing relationships. In fact, what it does, it helps us to do re relationships and friendships on our own term. You know, someone calls, you look at the caller ID, you decide whether you're going to talk to them, right? You get a text, you decide when you will respond to the text. You know, I have Facebook friends that maybe post stuff that I don't like. I determine if I'm going to delete him as a friend, right? I'm in control. I manage the relationships from a distance. Heard one teenager say, I, I, I'm so connected on social media, but I feel more alone than I ever did. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. I, I, I was listening to Craig Rochelle the other day, and he, and, he, and he said, the power of practicing presence, being together with other people, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. There's something supernatural about when God's people get together. I can pray at home. I love to pray. I get in my office, at my desk, and I pray. But I want to tell you, when I come here on a Wednesday night and I pray with God's people, something supernatural happens. You know, I love music. I do. I have it on all the time. I have it at home. I, I have it, you know, in the car. And, and, but there's something supernatural when God's people gather together and raise their voices together. The power of practicing presence. I can study God's word by myself at home, absolutely. But something when God's people get together and we open up his word, something supernatural happens. When I get together with my small group on Thursday nights and we open up God's word together, something supernatural happens that, yes, I could try to accomplish some of that on my own, but something supernatural when God's people get together. The power of presence. Can you imagine 
if God shouted from heaven, hey, down there, love ya. Love you people down there. No. What God did is he stripped himself of his power. And he came and he lived among us. I mean, he became one of us, God in the flesh, and lived among us. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He came to love us. And he loved those that nobody else wanted to love. He hung out with those who nobody else wanted to hang out with. He could have stayed in heaven and just shouted it down. But there's something powerful about the presence. And he showed his love by coming and spending time among us. Something so powerful about presence, yet so often we settle for less. So be present with one another. You know, let's love people face to face, not just from a distance. Romans 12, 9 says, love is sincere. Don't just pretend. <laughs> Don't just pretend you love others. But be real. Be authentic. Love each other with a genuine affection. And when God's people are in need, you see it, we can respond. But let's be present in, God, in, in people's lives. You know, if I was the, if, if you sent out a message on your phone, let's just say you sent it to a friend and it said, lost my job today. And one of your friends gets a phone and says, oh man, so sorry to hear that. I, I'm, I'm really sorry, I, I'm, I'll pray for you. Right? Or, or you get this text that says, I just found out I actually have cancer. I, I'm so scared. You can respond back by saying, oh, you know, God's going to walk with you. Um, we love you. We're praying for you. That's great, right? That, that's one way that you can do it. But if you were to take it a notch up, can you imagine instead of texting, you said, I'm actually going to call them. And you pick up the phone and say, I just read your text. I'm so sorry. Sorry, you lost your job. Is there anything we can do to help our family? Man, we love you. Or, you know, uh, you're responding to that text about cancer. Listen, I'm so, I, I just want to know, we're shocked, but we, 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 we spent time praying for you around the table tonight. We brought you before the throne of grace, and we go, that's great. But can you imagine if it took it up a notch again and say, you know what? I'm actually going to go to the person's house, and I'm going to look them in the eye. I just heard. Man, I'm sorry. Put your arms around them and go, man, I love you. What can we do to help? How can we walk this with you? There's something with the power of presence. That's taking it up another level. God is a relational God. We can love each other from a distance through technology, but we can do so much more face-to-face. -face. You know, maybe, just maybe, maybe it's time to, to invite someone over for a supper or dessert or coffee or say, hey, hey, want to meet at Wendy's? Just share a quick burger together? Something about the power of presence. Maybe you're here and some of you are looking for something more spiritual 
Sometimes I'll hear that. I need something more spiritual. Maybe what you're missing is the joy of Christian community. Studying God's word together. Doing life together. Does it get messy? Yeah, it actually does. You can keep things in control by keeping everybody at a distance. Or you can take a risk and believe that the reward is worth it. This is why as a church, we're such big believers of small groups. You know, people doing life together. Call them life groups. Because we just believe life is better when you do it together. So be present in people's lives. And not just be present, but be engaged. Be engaged. Don't just physically be present, but emotionally engaged. First Peter 4, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Well, it was a couple years ago. My family, all of us, sisters, you know, brother-in-law, nieces, and we all went to Florida. And we're having a great time, and, and uh, my sister happened to walk in and just noticed all of us in the living room. There was my brother-in-law on his phone. There was me next to him on the sofa on my phone. On the other side of me was my mother on her phone. <laughs> my nephew was on his phone. My two nieces were playing games on their phone. We were having family vacation. <laughs> we were in the same room, but totally not engaged. And my sister commented on that, like, look at you guys. And I thought, that's why not just the power of presence, but engagement. Face to face. Not from a distance. Be engaged. At staff meeting, lots of times, we have said, okay, everybody, put your phones in the middle of the table. You know what it's like, right, when you're phone buzzes, and you just, you just want to see, right? Because it could be, maybe you won the lotto. You don't know. You didn't buy a ticket, but who knows? You just got to check the message. And so we say, okay, everybody, all phones in the center of the table. Then our staff get clever and realize you can get messages on your watch. So, okay, everybody, strip the watches, strip the phones. We're actually going to have a conversation together. Right? How easy it is to be talking to somebody and... Right? You're trying not to pretend you're looking, but you know, you're... And then you do this. You're contemplating what the other guy said. Yeah. But you know he's reading the message on the phone. Be engaged. There is um, something much more engaging than just looking at our screens. Be careful not to miss out what's right in front of you. 1 John 3.18 Let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. Don't just like people's posts. Like them for who they are. You know, the greatest force of the early church, we mentioned this last week, the greatest force of the early church was the way they treated one another. 
Those who knew nothing about Jesus in that first century, uh, you know, some maybe from a distance had heard about a man who died and there was some criminal and maybe mixed messages, but something about the way God's people treated each other caused the world to take notice that didn't even know Jesus. What are you guys doing? I've never seen anything like it, the way you treat each other. I mean, it, it just broadcasted the, the church for the whole world. In fact, when you read the New Testament there that time, it says that there was actually no needy persons among them. Everybody had what they needed because if someone saw them in need, they went and they met the need. And people were astounded because some people were astounded like, wow, that guy sold some property. Uh, he sold some belongings and he, and he helped somebody that was in need. I've never seen that before. Isn't it about getting ahead? And it just captivated the world in the first century. And that's when people began to ask, well, what, what is this all about? Why do you do what you do? And doors were opened where they could just share how God transformed their life. And this new vibrant way of thinking and living was about loving one another. I'm trying. I'm not there yet. But I'm trying not to be addicted to my screen. You know, you wake up, first thing in the morning, you wake <sighs> grab the phone, right? <laughs> Your eyes are still blurry, but somehow you get that phone right in front of you. Make sure you didn't miss anything through the night. I really do. I stand in front of you, I, to let you know, I really do want to engage in real and authentic face-to-face -face relationships with people. And that's why we value it so much. We really do believe that real, authentic relationships does help us accomplish of connecting people to Jesus and to one another. That's why we value it. No more doing life by myself because life is better when we do it together. Thanks for listening and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.